You know, one of the things I love about church is just being able to sing together praises to the Lord. And it's just awesome sometimes to stop and listen to others praising the Lord in song. And so it's just great to worship together today. We're continuing our sermon series, almost nearing the end of the whole series that started last fall, Jesus Wins. And we are in a section called Living in Victory. This is where the Apostle Paul, in the letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament of the Bible, writes about the armor of the Roman soldiers that surrounded him while he was in prison for Christ, and he uses that as an example to us of how to win spiritually in the warfare against Satan, our own flesh, and the world around us. And he speaks of the armor of God. And today he tells us to pick up the shield of faith. And so let's read about that armor beginning in Ephesians in chapter 6. If you have your Bible, open it. And if you have your app, open that. I've been waiting to say that for weeks, you know, because more and more of you are carrying your, uh, your, your smartphone or iPhone. It's got your Bible app in there. I'm not that smart yet. But uh, anyway, or you can look right up on the screen. We have the Word of God printed there. Beginning in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, Apostle Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith. Now as I thought about the message for today, I realized that by and in large, we don't use shields. We have protective uh, concepts in warfare and in other aspects of life, but you don't see a lot of shields walking around today. Uh, However, I did speak with Lieutenant Robert Myers, who's a member of our church, and he's also on the Penn Hills Police Force. And he loaned me a police shield today. And so I just wanted to show that to you. And uh, this thing is heavy. You know, I thought I'd preach with it the whole sermon. It isn't going to happen. And uh, I do kind of like to screen you out like this, but uh, Rob told me this is how they hold it and uh, so on. You can actually put a strap over it and so on, but these are heavy protectors and primarily when we see a shield today, it's usually when the police are handling a crowd or a riot situation, something like that. Now there's two interesting things about a shield and we can relate to it perhaps more with a windshield or with a security force. A security system, an alarm system per se. You see, the one thing that a shield does, or a windshield, or an alarm system, or security system, is it protects. 
The other thing that it does is it allows you to advance. You see, I can take that shield and not only stop deadly objects that are coming against me, I can actually move forward against the enemy because of the protection. I can get in a car and I can drive forward because the windshield is not only protecting me from oncoming objects, but as I move forward, that protection continues and it allows me to go forward. Finally, a security system in your home keeps you safe, you hope, while you're in there, but along with that, you feel comfortable to go out and progress and do other things. Why? Because you feel that what is valuable to you is being protected. And so the Bible says, take up the shield of faith. Now, I thought about the word shield in the Bible. And it's interesting, right in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis in chapter 15, God comes to our spiritual ancestor Abraham and says, Abraham, I am your shield. It's interesting that right off the bat, God describes himself as Abraham's protection, Abraham's security. He says, I am your shield. King David loved the idea of the shield. Fifteen times in the Psalms, David refers to God and his salvation with a metaphor of a shield. Moses did it once in the book of Deuteronomy. The writer of Proverbs 30 said that the Lord is a shield to those who trust in him. Interestingly, when you come to the New Testament, this is the only time that the term shield is mentioned there. But throughout Scripture, God is spoken of as being our shield, our security system, if you will, our protection, and powerfully allowing us to make progress at the same time. Think about it. The Bible says here, from the protection perspective, that the shield of faith extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil one that come against us. Those arrows bounce off that shield. There's the protection. But the shield of faith also allows us to advance. If you go to Hebrews in chapter 11, <clears throat> excuse me, which is called the Hall of Faith, it lists all kinds of people in the Bible who had faith in God and did great things because of that. You see that faith not only protects you, but it allows you to advance. We find in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, that by faith, the Bible says, there were those who conquered kingdoms, those who put armies to flight, those who got their dead raised to life again, those who shut the mouths of lions, those who conquered the fury of the fire, those who obtained the promises. Why? Because. Excuse me, because of faith. And so faith allows us not only to be protected from the evil one, but it allows us to make advances in what we want to do for God. So the Bible says, pick up the shield of faith. And by the way, faith, if you study the word out itself in the original, it's more than just, well, I believe something. It's I have such confidence in something, and in this case, God and His Word, that I am willing to act upon it, live by it, believe in it, stake my life upon it. That is faith. So take up the shield 
of faith. Now, how about the flaming arrows? The Bible says we use the shield to protect us against the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is a way that the Bible describes the attacks of spiritual warfare, where Satan tries to cause you and I to go astray from God's word. I went back to the very first temptation that Satan used in the Bible against mankind. Here are Adam and Eve in the garden. And Satan, in the form of the serpent, comes to Eve and begins to talk to her about the one tree in the garden they're not allowed to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan says, first of all to her, has God said And it was the flaming arrow of doubt. He was trying to get her to doubt what God said or if God really meant what he said. It's interesting to me that when Jesus Christ faced his first temptation here on earth out in the wilderness, the very first temptation that Satan brings to him is a temptation of doubt. Satan says, if you're the son of God, It's interesting in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 33, Jesus uniquely brings together faith and doubt because Peter has started to walk on the water to Jesus and all of a sudden he takes his eyes off Jesus, starts looking at the storm about him and begins to sink and Jesus raises raises him up and says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And you see, one of the flaming arrows that Satan likes to shoot against you and I is to get us to doubt the Word of God. To say, well, you know, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure I believe it. I don't know that that's really what it means. I don't think I can take this literally. And so it's almost as we become doubtful of God's Word. Secondly, there's the flaming arrow of deceit. The second thing that Satan said to Eve was this. First of all, he said, has God said? Number two, he said, you will not die. You see, God had already said to Adam and Eve, you can have the fruit of all the trees in the garden but the one tree. He said, but if you eat that fruit, you will surely die. And so Satan comes along and says, you will not die die. He absolutely contradicts God. And that's a flaming arrow that comes to us. Because there are times that we want to believe, well, I can still be a good Christian. I can still be what God wants me to be. I can still be acceptable to God, even if I don't do what God says. That's deceit. Or saying, well, you know what? I know what God says is wrong, but I don't really think he's going to give me a hard time about it. I think I can go ahead and do what I want, even if God's word says it's wrong, and there really aren't going to be consequences. Are you kidding me? You see, that is the deceit of the flaming arrow that Satan sends, where regardless of what God's word says, you don't really think it means you. And then thirdly, there's the flaming arrow of pride. The third thing that Satan said to Eve was, if you eat that fruit, You will be like God. You know what astounded me? That's the very sin that Satan himself committed. 
Because before the earth was even created, in Isaiah, the Bible says, Satan said, I will be like the Most High. In other words, I'll be my own God. I'll be equal with God. And God cast him out. Now Satan comes to Adam and Eve and says, hey, if you eat that fruit, you can be God. You will be like God. And you know what it reminded me of when I think about us and God's Word? Have you ever been in a store and seen some little kid with their parent and the parent says, don't do this or do that, and the little kid says, no! Don't you just want to walk over and say, go kid, go. No, you want to walk over, but that's not what you want to do. You have something else in mind, like, oh, kid, why don't you listen to your parent? And you know, in the same sense, that's the sin of pride. Because God's word says, and yet almost like little children, we say, no! God, I don't care what you say. I don't care what your will is. I want to do my thing, my way. No! It's the flaming arrow of pride. Now the shield of faith raises up and says, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. So God said it, and even if I have doubt, I'm going to go with it because God said it. God said it, and even though I'd like to do something different than that, I'm going to go with what God said. That is the shield of faith that steers us away from doubt, steers us away from deceit, steers us away from pride, and submits us to the will of the Word of God. That is raising the shield of faith against the flaming arrows of the evil one. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Although, like my dad has often said, the reality is God said it, and that settles it whether you believe it or not. But it's much better to believe it because, you see, that's raising the shield of faith. And then finally, did you notice the shield of what? Faith's an interesting, interesting thing. The Bible tells us, first of all, that we are saved from hell or heaven, from our sins, to God's righteousness by faith. William Barclay, the Scottish commentator, said, This faith is a complete trust in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, to illustrate saving faith, a complete trust in Christ Jesus, I have a bicycle chain here with a lock on it. And um, Aaron, how about helping me for just a moment, would you? Come on up here. Okay, now let's just pretend that Aaron has a real nice bike. Okay, maybe he does, I don't know. But, but let's just pretend he has a real nice bike. C- come right up here and stand by me, Aaron, will you, please? Okay, now you're, you come to me and you say, Tim, I have this real nice bike. And man, I, I, just, I, I just want it to, to be safe. I want it to be secure. I don't want anybody to take it. I want to be able to enjoy it. So uh, could you put a lock on it for me? I say, absolutely, Aaron. Now, this lock has four letters that when you twist them in all the right areas, they become a word, okay? And then I can put it around your, your, your bicycle and lock it and protect it. Now, uh, can you tell me what the word is? I don't know. Oh, hmm. So you need me 
because I know the word and you don't know the word, right? Okay, so you need me to handle the lock, to secure your bike. Okay, all right. Well, can you just give me the first letter? That'll help me a lot. Okay, you don't know it. So you can't help me with the first letter. Okay. Uh, could you help me with the second letter? You don't even know the second letter. So you're really depending on me, aren't you? I mean, this bike is not going to be secure if I don't do it. Okay. How about the third letter? Fourth? Okay. You know, sit down. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, that's a simple illustration to make this point. Could Aaron help me at all? If the bike's going to get secured, who's going to do it? I am. I know the key. Let me tell you something. If your soul's going to get saved, Jesus is going to do it. There's not a thing you can do to help you. You just say, Jesus, you've got to do it. Because he died on the cross for us. He rose again for us to give us salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. And so, Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. It is all about Christ. That's saving faith. Faith, we find, is important in God's word. It's interesting. You have that little statement, seemingly little, in Habakkuk, this obscure Old Testament prophet that says the righteous shall live by faith that Doug read this morning the last phrase of that scripture from Habakkuk and yet all of a sudden when you come to the New Testament in the book of Romans and in the book of Galatians and in the book of Hebrews you have these great theological teachings all based on that statement the just or the righteous shall live by faith and living by faith really brings us to Hebrews chapter 11 I want to tell you four things about living by faith this morning. The first one is this. Living by faith is being certain of the unseen. You see, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says this. Faith is the substance of what we hope for and the certainty of things we haven't seen. What is that certainty? Verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because first of all, we must believe that He is. So you see, being certain of the unseen means that we believe there is a God. Number two, verse two of Hebrews 11 says, By faith we believe the worlds were framed by the word of God. So not only being certain of the unseen do we believe God exists, but number two, we believe we exist because of God. And number three, he promised in verse 6 that if we seek him, he will respond to us, he will reward us, he will love us, he will bless us. And so being certain of the unseen is believing in a God that we don't see, but we believe that he exists, we believe we exist because he willed us to exist, and we believe if we seek him with our lives, he will respond to us. Faith is being certain of the unseen. Number two, faith produces action. You see, James said in the, in the book of James, he said, you show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, you can tell somebody you love them till you're blue in the face, but it's what you do that really indicates your love. And we can say, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. But when our behavior is affected by our belief. Study Hebrews 11, time after time after time, starting with Abel. By faith, Abel offered 
a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. By faith, Abraham went out, told by God to go to a land he'd never seen, to a people he'd never met, that God might bless him and make a great people of him. You see, by faith, they responded and they acted upon what they believed God's will was. We come to the Word of God in the same way, and what it says we respond to, and we live accordingly. That is faith. Faith is certainty in what is unseen. Faith produces action. Number three, faith embraces the extraordinary. You see, to live by faith is not to live in the status quo. To live by faith is to believe that great things can happen for God. In other words, there are more people to come to Christ. There are prayers that seemingly are impossible that God can answer. There are things that seemingly impossible health-wise won't be healed. We believe God can heal them. There are financial situations we don't believe can be worked through, but God can bring them through. And even in the worst of trials, we believe that God can give His grace to bring us through the trial, not take it away, but bring us through it in the right fashion in the Spirit of Christ. That's faith. We embrace the extraordinary. The Bible again says in Hebrews eleven thirty three, by faith they conquered kings. By faith, they quenched the fire. By faith, they shut the mouth of lions. By faith, people were raised from the dead. There is something about faith that says, I believe something great and wonderful can happen. Why? Because we believe in the God who can make it happen. For with God, nothing is impossible. To live by faith is to go to our God on a consistent basis and say, God, I believe you can do something special. Whatever he chooses to do is okay with us. But we're confident that he can do. And we ask to, to happen. And we live for it to happen. Believing he'll do extraordinary things. Brothers and sisters, when I come to fellowship here, I look and see what God has done. But I believe God can do more. You see, we pray for that. We live for that. We work for that. We believe that. Because our God is able. Faith embraces the extraordinary. William Carey was a wonderful missionary to India about 300 years ago. And William Carey's motto was this. He said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Can I say that again? Can I say that again? Thank you. Okay. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. I want to get to a point by faith when someone brings to me the most impossible situation. I'm saying, man, I don't see any way, but I know God can. And we're going to pray for it. We're going to believe for it. We're going to seek God for it. Whatever his precious will is, that's fine with us. But we know that he can if he chooses to. By faith. You embrace the extraordinary. What in your life is something you believe God can bring the extraordinary to take place? And then finally, faith sees even loss as gain. You see, the Bible says, after all these great things of conquering kingdoms and the fiery furnace being conquered and the mouths of the lion's den being conquered and people raised from the dead, then it says... Others were tortured, and they refused to be released, that they might be raised to a better life. You see, there were some people who didn't escape 
the torments. There are some people who didn't get delivered from the lion's den. There are some people who didn't escape the fiery furnace. There were some people who professing their faith in Christ were put to the sword. But guess what? By faith, they said, though you destroy me here, God will raise me over there and it will be better and more wonderful and eternal compared to anything here. That is faith. You see, you know what faith is? When you and I stand out here at a gravesite in this cemetery and we see someone who's suffered, someone whose life has come to an end, and we say, thank God, they're in a better place. They're well now. They're happy now. They're completely pure now. They're with God now. And we'll see them again. You see, faith sees even loss as gain. The shield... It allows us to be protected from the evil one's flaming arrows. And it allows us to move forward. The shield of faith. The apostles prayed in Luke 17 and verse 5. Lord, increase our faith. That's a prayer we should pray as well. George Mueller. If you ever read his life, was a great man of faith. He ran several orphanages, never asked for a nickel, but God always met their needs. He was a man of faith. Here's what Mueller said about faith, and this is something to contemplate in the coming days. Faith is the end of anxiety. And anxiety is the end of faith. So where are you this morning? Lifting the shield of trust in God? Or worrying about, can God work it out? Raise the shield of faith. Amen?